Uh, sometimes I feel like it's good to pause in these moments and look at what Jesus was teaching us uh, through the Lord's Supper. I mean, this is obviously something that he instituted. It's something that he encouraged us to do. It's, it's something that, that, that we need to spend time in. And so I want to pause a little bit and look into this. i got a series I'm starting next week that I'm super excited about, um, but you have to come see what it is. But I'm really excited about it. It's going to be about six weeks long. Um, and so I just wanted to take this Sunday just to pause and, and look at the Word of God and look at his Word and, and what it's saying about communion. The, the interesting thing was, I didn't preach last week because we had a missionary, but the week before, I preached on, on the, the blessing to forget that, that Jacob lived in, that, that reality that he could, he could forget all that had happened. But there was another portion of scripture that I was wrestling with in my spirit at the same time, trying to discern where I was supposed to preach. And it was found in the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter 25, and it's a parable that Jesus teaches with ten virgins, and there's a bridegroom coming, and, and, and then he shows up, and, and scripture says five of them were prepared and five of them weren't. And so five of them he, he described as wise and five as, as foolish. And I was wrestling through preaching that, that sermon, but I decided that wasn't the right moment. Um, but today, uh, I feel like I need to pick up kind of along those same lines. I'm going to read from you in the book of Luke, chapter 22. Verse 7. I'm always reading 1 Corinthians when, when I talk about the Lord's Supper, but it is actually found in the Gospels as well, in case you're wondering. Uh, Verse 7 says, Then came the day of the unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had been sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations to eat the Passover. Verse 9 says, Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom. And then verse 17 is where things get familiar. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, and, and the bread. That's the meal that happens. But, but I was paused in those verses that were preceding the Lord's Supper. And I don't know if as I read those verses, if anything stood out to you, but there was, there was something that I heard three or four times repeated throughout those verses. Something that was already stirring in me because of, of the, the, the parable of the, of the virgins. And it was the reality that Jesus looked at his disciples. And you know, often when, when we do the Lord's Supper, we're focusing so much on the table, so much on the element, so much on the moment. But there was something that happened before the moment that I believe God is teaching his people. There's something that happens before the moment that I believe God desires for us to recall when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. There was something prior to the table that is a discipline that I believe God desires his people to understand. Jesus sent Peter and John and said to them, 
go and make preparations. I'm proposing this morning that part of what Jesus was desiring when he said, do this in remembrance of me, was that we would remember the discipline of preparation. In my notes, I've got this, this line that says, our level of preparation is often the greatest indicator of our level of expectation. The degree at which we prepare for something begins to reveal the degree at which we expect something. If I have an expectation that someone's coming over, I'm probably going to do some things to get ready. If I don't think they're going to show up, then I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm not going to worry about taking care of anything. But the reality was, Jesus looked at his followers and he said to them, on the way into town, he says, hey, just go and make preparations for this this meal. I don't know, this is going to be a little too transparent maybe for some, so if you don't like it, I'm sorry. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, junior high, I'd have a dream every five, six months. I don't know if anybody ever had the dream where you showed up at school without your pants on. Well, now I don't have the dream that I that I show up without my pants on, but, but every once in a while I have a dream where I'm either in our church or in another church and I'm supposed to be speaking, but I didn't know it or I... Put it off until I was in the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? And the panic, the terror of not having my pants on comes back because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. And there's a bunch of people that are going to be listening to what I have to say. And, and I'm not ready for this moment. The reality is there is an absolute biblical understanding. There is, there is, there is biblical proof for the discipline of preparation. You know, and I, and I mean this in love. Sometimes as Pentecostals, we, we, we kind of, we kind of shrug that off and we say that we're, we're Pentecostal. The Spirit of God will lead us. I believe that the Spirit of God leads us through His Holy Spirit and He leads us through preparation. And the good thing is the Holy Spirit is in the beginning and in the middle and in the end. So sometimes the Holy Spirit saves my bacon when I haven't prepared enough. But the reality is, I believe in Scripture. I believe as we look at the Word of God, that God speaks to His people about the discipline of preparation. There's a story in the Old Testament. Remember, David was a king, and and so his grandson becomes the king. His grandson, this is in Second Chronicles chapters 11 through about 14 or so. Um, his grandson, his name is Rehoboam, and, and he starts off doing things all right. I mean, he's inherited, Solomon was his pops, and so he's inherited a pretty good situation. It says in, in, in one of the chapters, I believe it's in chapter 11, that, that, that he's talking about leading his people out in battle. And a prophet says to him, no, I don't think we need to go. It says he listened to the prophet. He did what the prophet said. Things were going well in his kingdom. I mean, he had it all laid out before him. He had the genetics. He had the, the heritage. He'd learned from his pops and his grandpa. I mean, all these things in his life. But something happened. Second Chronicles chapter 12 describes what happened. In his story, it says he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He did evil, it says in the NIV, because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. We have the effect. What did the king do? He screwed up. 
right? Why did he screw up? Why did he do evil? Because he did not prepare his heart. Everything was fine. For about three years, he was doing good things. I think he, was, he started at the age of 41 and reigned for about 17 years. But something happened. Something changed. He wasn't prepared for the moment he was in. He lost sight of the discipline of preparation. And suddenly, what happened? Evil. Evil happened. I don't think he woke up one day and set it in his heart to do bad things. I don't think he woke up one day and, and set it in his heart that, hey, today's going to be the day that I stop following the word of the prophet. But Scripture seems to imply, Scripture seems to indicate that the cause of his fall was the reality of the lack of his preparation. Are you ready? That word, prepare, it means to establish, to fix, to prepare, to apply. It conveys the idea of deliberate effort over a long period of time. Jesus and his disciples are going into town. And he looks at them. Now, I believe Jesus knows what this moment is. I believe he knows that, that in, in about 2,000 and some odd years, there's going to be a church that's in a park in Crawford, Nebraska, that's going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. I mean, I know that, that, that he knew that this was something important that was coming. And he looked at his disciples and he said to them, go and make preparations. And I believe the sovereignty of God, I believe the ordinance of God was that we as a church, that as we spend time looking at this moment, that we would realize that, yes, we need to look at the elements. We need to look at the body and we need to look at the blood. We need to look at the table and the Passover feast. We need to recognize all these things. But I believe the sovereignty of God was that we would understand also the importance of being a prepared people. Make preparations. What do these guys have to do? They had to go find the guy carrying a jar of water. There's some pretty radical obedience in their preparation. Look at that guy and follow him where he was going. Say to the one that owned the house where that guy was going, hey, the master said, the teacher said that we would use the, the room. If you have a room for us, he said, yeah, that room's upstairs. Then they went up to the room, and I'm guessing they had to clean it. I mean, you know, the Jewish festivals, there can be nothing unclean, nothing leaven in the middle of what they're doing. So they had, to, they had to clean everything. They had to make way for the meal. They had to find the lamb. They had to discover the, the herbs, and they had to set the table. They had to set the chairs. Someone had to get things ready for the moment that was coming. God was about to, to, to share his table with them. God was about to reveal his covenant through his son, Jesus Christ. The covenant that we remember every time we take communion. And someone had to set the table for that moment. Can you imagine? Man, they didn't do what they were told to do. And they sat down and Jesus wanted to break some bread. And he's like, where's the bread? <laughs> we forgot that. Let's run to the quickie mark. Where's the lamb? We ain't got one, but there's a mouse in the corner. Let's get him. I mean, can you imagine what the meal would have been? I mean, the moment would have passed if they had not prepared for the moment. 
I believe that when God speaks to us, do this in remembrance of me, there's a moment that he desires. I have told you, I preached last year on the importance of the table. God took us down a road where he talks about the unity, the communion, the fellowship that comes through the table. There's a reason that God said to his church, do this time and time again in remembrance of me because there's a profound moment that comes when I connect with my Savior at this table, when I connect through my Savior to my Maker at this table. Are you ready? Are, are you prepared? The reality is the verses I always read. I want to read them. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Wind is not my friend. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we love those verses. We read those verses. I can recite those verses every Sunday. But Paul, Paul did not stop there. When he was writing to the church in Corinth, this continues. What does he say to them? So then... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Verse 30, that's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number have fallen asleep. Paul, teaching the church in Corinth about communion. They've been doing it. They've been practicing it. He had to correct them. Hey, remember the part where it says, For I received the Lord by all specimen you, the Lord Jesus, the night of the trade? Yeah, I got that. When we're done with this, what are we doing? We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Man, that's great. Jesus died. I'm alive. But some of you aren't prepared. Some of you guys are fighting with each other about who gets to eat what. Some of you guys are putting yourself above the others and, and not letting anybody else have Some of you are looking down at people because they don't look the same as you. They don't talk the same as you. Your hearts are in a bad place. You're eating this in an unworthy manner. So he says to the church, he says to the church in Corinth, you ought to examine yourself. Well, what am I looking for? Yep. That's what I thought I looked like. Why are we examining ourselves? So we can recognize where I need to be cleansed. We can make the preparations for ourselves for the meal that is coming. I mean, I'm going to be proclaiming the Lord's death. 
I'm proclaiming that my sin has been forgiven, that I, I've been given the promise of eternal, of, of eternal life in Jesus Christ. So many times we proclaim his death with our words, but do we really believe that? Have we really allowed that to become a part of who we are? Yes, my sin has absolutely been forgiven. Yes, there was a payment that had to be paid for sin. There was blood that had to be shed for sin. That blood was Jesus Christ. I'm proclaiming that blood in my life, that my sin is forgiven, but I'm condemning myself in the next moment because I did something wrong? No. Examine yourself. Look at yourself. Recognize what you're proclaiming. I'm proclaiming that I've been forgiven. Then guess what? You're forgiven. Why? Because it's been done. You proclaim his death until he comes. I proclaim the death of Jesus Christ means that I become a joint heir with him. I proclaim that it means that I'm a child of God, yet I live like there's nothing in my life. I live depraved. I live feeling lonely. I live feeling unloved. I live feeling unwanted. Why? How do you proclaim that if you don't believe that? You proclaim his death until he comes. He said it is finished. Isn't that what he said? That means coronavirus and racial riots and everything else can't steal my joy, amen? Because it's finished. And there's nothing. He said the gates of hell cannot even prevail. The gates of hell cannot even prevail against his kingdom. It's finished. Yet we let ourselves get so worked up by the things that are around us, the things that we see, the things that we read. No, I want to examine myself. Do I mean what I'm saying? Am I ready to come to the table and celebrate the life that was given? The body that was broken? The blood that was shed? Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. Hebrews says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him whom we must give an account. There's a scripture in James that talks about the word of God is like a mirror. How foolish is it for a man to look in a mirror, walk away and forget what he looks like? You know, this morning, in just a few moments, we're going to participate at the table with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The one who spoke these trees into existence wants to have a spot at his table for you. The one who is, who was, and always will be. The one who spoke everything we know. The one who who spoke all that is into existence. The one who sent his son to be with us. He's called us. He's asked us to come to his table this morning. Are you ready? A wise pastor once said, our level of expectation is often the great indicator of our, I'm sorry, our level of preparation is often a great indicator of our level of expectation. Are you ready for the meal? Let me ask Walt and Carrie if they can come up and just prepare something. But I'm going to ask that you take a moment and you listen to the words of Paul where he says we ought to examine ourselves. 
You know, you think about what we're celebrating. You think about who's invited you. You think about what's happening. And, and, and are you ready? You know, the interesting thing about church right now. I've heard it. I'm going to pick on Joellen for a second. Because Joellen's been staying at home watching online each week. She said, Pastor, it's going to be different. I have to get up and get ready for church this week. There's a lot of pastors who are dealing with that real reality. People decide it's a lot easier to stay at home, sit on their chair and watch church. There's a lot of people that think it's just easy to show up and eat the food and go home. But God's invited you to his table. A table where he wants to demonstrate. He wants you to recognize. He wants you to receive the fullness of his love. A table that he uses to describe the greatest moment that's ever taken place. A table that he uses to say, I love you so much that I died so that you could be forgiven. I died so that you could live. I died so that you might have hope of the resurrection, which is in Jesus Christ. I've died so that you would know that there is a place that I've prepared for you. And I just want you to remember that. Guys, just think. Yesterday, we celebrated Trevor and Josie's wedding. Next April. It was April 4th, right? I just remember because I saw a sign last night. It was sooner than I thought. (laughs) You imagine Josie says, Trevor, hey, it's the 4th. I'm preparing a meal. Setting the table. And Josie goes and she gets the meal and she gets it all cooked up and she gets out the china that we only get out on very special occasions and she sets the table. She decides that she wants to wear a new dress because it's the anniversary of their marriage. She puts the makeup on her face, all that stuff. Girls do hairspray. It'll be a special night. I mean, we're remembering our wedding, right? Trevor walks in with his ball cap on and ripped up jeans. What are we having for dinner, honey? <laughs> or Trevor walks in and he went to his room and took a shower and he shaved some of those extra hairs that were growing. Got his axe body spray out and sprayed up. Reached in the closet and grabbed that maroon shirt and maroon tie that he wore for his wedding. And he walked to the table to celebrate his anniversary with his wife. Which moment do you want to be a part of? God desires for you to come to his table this morning. God's made an invitation for each one of us, and it's going to seem like a weird table because we've got a little plastic jar with a wafer. It's not just about this. It's about doing this in remembrance of Him. It's about the reality of remembering the art, the discipline of preparation, the demonstration of God's love, the revelation of His presence, the, 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 the purpose of the moment.
I don't know what what's happened. I don't know what's been going on. I don't know where your weeks have been or what, what, what you see when you look in the mirror. But the scripture says we ought to examine ourselves. You know, in a moment, we're going to proclaim his death. Maybe you need to proclaim his death right now. The reality is that your sin, that sin is absolutely forgiven. The reality is the promise is that you've been made righteous through Jesus Christ. You have been made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is proclaim it. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If we can make those confessions, the reality is you're no longer guilty of that sin. We ought to examine ourselves. So my washed up. Am I ready for this moment? Father, I thank you for just the opportunity to gather. I thank you, Father, for the moment that we are in. For the table that you set. And God, I pray for each one here. God, I pray that we would understand the discipline of preparation. That we would get our hearts, God, in that place. That we would get our lives in that place, Lord. That that we would be ready for the meal that's to come. That we would be anxious about the celebration of what Jesus Christ accomplished. That, God, it would be a moment of love. It would be a moment of intimacy with our Maker. Because of what you accomplished through, through that death on a cross. Because of what was accomplished when the body of Christ was broken and, and, and when his blood was shed. That I've been washed and made whole. That I've been given a place in your kingdom. That the God who is defined as love has revealed himself to me. And you desire that I remember that love. You desire that I, I remember those moments this day. So God, wash me. God, if, if anyone needs forgiveness, forgive us. God, if our, if our thoughts and lives have been in the wrong place, if we've taken for granted the moments that you've set aside, help us to recognize the importance, the, the moment that is before us right now. God, I pray that, that some anxiousness, some, 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 some excitement builds in us when it comes to the reality that we're about to sit down at the table with our King. We're about to, to celebrate the, the, the blood and, and the body. We're about to partake in the fullness of His love. They're about to share a table with the Maker of all. Let us be ready. In Jesus' name. This morning you're invited. This morning God is is asking you to come to His table. He's got something special He wants to share with you. Something He wants to remind you of. Something He desires that you would remember. Don't miss this moment. 
Don't take for granted the moment that God has, has appointed for you this day. I need to take a moment and and prepare. These things are a little hard sometimes. So it says in Scripture, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed. He took some bread, and when He given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you.'" God looked at you this morning and said, This is my body, which is for you. God, I pray our hearts would be inclined to receive what you're offering. As we receive this this bread this morning, God, as we partake of this bread and, and this wafer becomes a part of us, I pray the promises of God become a part of us, the reality that, yes, I'm a part of the body of Christ. Yes, I'm a part of His body. It becomes part of who I am. Let us partake. in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes the cup of God's promise the cup of our redemption. God's offering it to you this morning. And He says, take and and drink. God, I pray for each of us as we partake that we're proclaiming your death because we recognize how incredible the death of Jesus Christ truly is. God, that that as we partake of this cup, as we partake at this table, that we recognize how great our God truly is. That our lungs, that our breath, that our body would cry out because we serve a great God who loves us so much and desires that we remember His love. Let us partake. God, this morning we thank You for setting the table. God, we thank you for the invitation, the invitation to experience your love. We thank you for this moment to remember. We thank you for the revelation of your love that came through this day. We thank you for the table that has our name on it, the invitation that came to each one of us that we might know your love. God, I pray that each of us lives in the discipline of preparation. That we prepare our hearts in those moments to experience you. That we're ready. 
when they announce the bridegroom is coming. That we're prepared so we can stand in the middle of the storms. God, I thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you be prepared for the presence of God. May you live with a discipline of preparation. Amen? Be blessed.